Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Good and Pastor Brett Bow and myself discuss one of my favorite topics, the Trinity. As we discuss the triune God of creation, what we're doing is setting up our discussion for the Apostles' Creed. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bow, and I am joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. Awesome. Good morning, guys. Good morning. It's been a while. Yes, it has. And we actually last week had to put up uh, a different kind of episode because for the first time uh, we ran out of content yeah. before we were able to record again, but it's All been a sad. busy time. Uh, you've been traveling, mm-hmm. Brett, on vacation and for your Reformation conferences, mm-hmm. and I've been fighting through uh, school projects and busy time at church. And, and I only work an hour a week. You only work <laughs> an hour a week. So you're a normal pastor. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad we didn't record the day that we were going to because yeah. I had half a voice. And oh, yeah. you know, it was one of, the Sunday before that was one of those Sundays where about once a year, you just got to plow through a Sunday yeah. morning, and, mm. and you're not sick, but your your voice is sore, and yeah, anyhow. You get one of those, and you hope the adrenaline eventually takes over, so you just get through the service, yep. but then when that happens, the crash afterwards is swift and hard, and mm-hmm. you can't move. <laughs> yep. I've been there. <laughs> yep. It's almost like Elijah syndrome. You just kind of, I'm an introvert, so it's like, I don't know mm-hmm. how, I know Brett, you are a little yeah. bit too. Yep. I just kind of want to run and hide and just get uh, away from all yeah. people pretty much. And, yep, that's right. In a house with five kids under 11, that's not a possibility. <laughs> for me. I don't have a cave or a hole I can get yep. into. Two of my four boys are out of the house, and two are in, and they're great. And so they, they really respect my that part of me, which I really appreciate it. I yeah. don't try to hide it from them. Sure. And uh, we just talk about it so that they understand it. But yeah, love nice. that part. Yeah, good. Hey, what are we talking yeah, about today? Yeah, right. Today, today <laughs> we're, you pity know, we're... Pity party over. With all the... Yeah, pity party. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know... <laughs> the, the violins in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are, are kind of in between ses- um, sections of what we're doing and the content and we had a really nice layout for the Ten Commandments as we walk through that, and we're getting ready to launch into the Apostles' Creed, and excited for that. And um, so, in in the middle time between then, we thought we needed to touch on some important topics and flesh that out, and look at that as a way to prepare us for getting into the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, this uh, the Apostles' Creed is probably my favorite section in the entire catechism, mm-hmm. especially in the large catechism. You know, it's got yeah. a special place in my heart when we get to the third article mm-hmm. of the creed. Uh, there, Luther does some really solid work there. Of course, he does. He's done really solid mm-hmm. work in the Ten Commandments, and, you know, it's, he's really solid in the Lord's Prayer yep. and on the sacraments as well. But the, the reason why we're not just jumping right into the Apostles' Creed is because we're we're kind of also jumping into an entirely new genre Mm -hmm. of theology. Uh, When it came to the Ten Commandments, we were talking about the law and and the various aspects of the law. And, you know, we had some very refreshing discussions about the law for the Christian Mm -hmm. so that this isn't always a beating down of self, which the law always accuses. And in fact, just got out of a class a couple of weeks ago where the the professor uh, was very keen to say, 
that the law always accuses, but it doesn't only accuse. Yeah, and so that's, we, that's we've talked about the, the various functions of law, and it's great. But now, launching into the Apostles' Creed, we get to talk about the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, pure, unadulterated gospel. Uh, and so there's some topics in theology that we want to introduce and some concepts we want to kind of, like you said, flesh out before we get into the nitty-gritty of the Apostles' Creed. And the first one, what we're talking about today is the Trinity. Uh, you, you can't talk about the Apostles' Creed without talking about the Trinity. And mm-hmm. Brian just got this gigantic <laughs> smile on his face because the Trinity is your wheelhouse. Hey, That's your favorite no, topic. None of you can't see this and you probably shouldn't see it, but I just kind of did my happy dance. So, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, the Trinity was really key to understanding, honestly, the whole of systematic theology. Mm-hmm. Um, everything really flows out of it. I mean, if you even think about, because the Trinity involves not only the three persons of the triune God, but it also involves the two natures of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so under the aspect or the, the concept or the topic of the Trinity, you got to deal with all of that. And then from there flows the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there flows uh, the humanity of Christ and, in, and really... What even flows out of that is our humanness. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are we created in the image of God? And because if, if Jesus is indeed the second Adam, which he is, and Adam, and as we look at Jesus as the second Adam, because we have more information about Jesus than we do Adam, then that actually gives us a picture into our own humanity, our own um, identity as image bearers of God. Even though it's distorted because of sin or, mm-hmm. or twisted because of sin, all of that kind of flows out of there. And it was, for me... Uh, one of the most profound studies that I have ever ventured into. Hmm. Uh, several early church fathers uh, have said multiple things, and um, uh, I can't remember the exact father that said this, but I had this in the curriculum for our new members class. But it said, it is a study that requires the most diligence and one that yields the greatest benefits. Mm-hmm. And I have found that to be the case in mm. my for my so, own studies. That's great. Yeah, it's a it's a deep doctrine that we cannot understand, but we must properly confess. And, yeah. you know, this is why we have the Athanasian Creed yeah. in all its detail. And, and this is something I'm excited for because this is the theme for our Advent uh, series at my congregation at Faith in South Minneapolis. Uh, I'm doing a four-part series on the Apostles' Creed uh, and tonight, and now I know it's not technically Advent yet, we're the Wednesday <laughs> before Advent, but it just feels weird having one Bible study after Thanksgiving and then uh, launching into it. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a four-part Advent. Um, tonight we're doing it on the Trinity, and, and the, the title of the message is The Trinity is For You, and the passage that I'm using to discuss it is the Great Commission. Mm. Uh, and uh, the the two points of the message are the Great Commission, or the, excuse me, the Trinity is the basis for the church's mission and the foundation of the Christian's identity. Mm, Those that's, are the two yeah, parts of that. Yep. Uh, and so Maybe it's, I'll skip church tonight at my place. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, this is really important, and in, in I think in systematic theology, mm-hmm. which uh, Brian, you and I are kind of lean that way as far as our focus is. <laughs> Uh, the Trinity is probably the most abused and neglected of the doctrines in systematic theology. It's the one where people will roll their eyes and say, this is everything that's wrong with systematic theology. It's an over... 
technicalizing, if that's a word, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over sterilization of the good news. And I would respond that it's absolutely not. No, I agree with you. There's there's a couple things that maybe I'd like to highlight. Is that there's a a tendency for both East and West in the world, Western. Uh, Christianity tends to to focus on the three persons more so than they do the oneness mm-hmm. of the Triune God, where the Eastern Church really focuses more on the oneness, and I think that there needs to be a balance between that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the statements I always say to my confirmation students is we serve the one God of creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet we always end with, but these three are one. You always begin and end with the oneness of the Triune mm-hmm. God. Uh, the other thing, as far as the Neglect. I, I agree with that, and it. I liken it to this: is like say, um, I know I've known you for gosh now what ten years because we're in seminary together over ten yeah. years, and and what if I kept calling you Joe? Hey Joe, how's it going? How you know Joe? How are you doing? And what message am I then sending to you that I really don't care about you? That I don't really want to understand who you are as a person and as God has chosen to reveal himself through his one and only son. Mm-hmm. He has given us and preserved for us his holy word. Yeah. And this is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. And I think we would do a great service as to our worship of God by getting mm-hmm. to know the God yeah. that has revealed himself through his one and only son, Jesus yeah, Christ. Right. And that's what it is. It's a passion to unpack the scriptures. It's a mm-hmm. passion to get to know this God who saved us mm-hmm. when we didn't deserve it, we cannot earn it, that the God who saved us while we were yet sinners. You yeah. know, so I think that that is I think it's laziness if I can be really mm-hmm. brutally honest with you. I think that there's just a lot of pastors like, well yeah, sure, you know, we got the creeds, it's good, you know, and whatever, but uh, you know, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I disagree with that fully. I think that you have to diligently study the great God who has saved us and mm-hmm. created us and created the universe. Yeah. I think that devotional aspect of it, of how it affects us personally, spiritually, is a, a great blessing, as as you said, as we get to know this God and as we think about his nature and who he is and what he has done, you know, looking at the gospel later on. And, you know, that's a that's a joy of the... Apostles' Creed, and just in a very, very simplistic way, that's the way it's organized according to the Trinity. You know, maybe more along the lines of the the three persons. You know, yeah. focusing on each person. Uh, but yeah, definitely gravitating towards back towards this is one God, and um, and yet in three persons. Yeah, and you even see a progression. It's not that they didn't acknowledge the Trinity during the writing of the Apostles' Creed, but it was more fleshed out in the Nicene Creed, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because it took several hundred years to just kind of figure out, okay, is the Holy Spirit God? <laughs> you know, is, mm-hmm. is Jesus God? Has Athanasius fought for that um, between Arianism? And, and there's, just, there's this, and it's amazing if you think about it, and I think it's good for us to remind ourselves of this. It took the early church fathers, who were more brilliant than we could ever be, because their PhD would make our PhD look like great. <laughs> school, uh, because they didn't have logos. They didn't have Bible search engines. They knew it. They had the texts in front of them, the, the, you know, the papyrus in front of them. And it took them 300 years to really flesh out dialogue and really come up with what we have today in that God has chosen to reveal himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet these three are one. Mm-hmm. That simple statement took 300 years to really, in mm-hmm. even the Athanasian Creed, just the fact that all of them are Lord, all of them are God, but yet there's only one Father, one Son, mm-hmm. and Holy Spirit. The first one is not the second one, the second one is not the third one, and the third one is not the second or the first one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go on and on and on. But it's just a beautiful 
picture of this great God that we'll never comprehend, but I believe in God's word, we can apprehend it through the confessions mm-hmm. and through how God has chosen to reveal himself. Mm-hmm. That's really well said. And when you think about the history of the doctrine of Trinity, we go back to what we talked about when we did the Apostles' Creed at the, at the start of the curriculum here. Mm-hmm is that you end up, why we had to in church history is because of the heretics, right? The theology of the church, yeah. the, the false teachers. And, and the church was forced to think about what happens if the Son is not God. Yeah. What happens if the Holy Spirit is not God? Exactly. What do we lose? Exactly. And, and that's where it comes. And, and what's so interesting, you said it a few minutes ago, uh, and you captured what Luther says in the introduction to the Apostles' Creed and the large catechism. He says, well, you know, the Ten Commandments are basically what God demands of us, but the creed shows us what God does for us. Mm-hmm. And then he says, in short, the creed teaches us to know God fully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great mm-hmm. line. And uh, what's interesting about the training, we have the three persons, is that when you look at the way Luther explains it in the catechism, you have the three individual persons mm-hmm. who each have their own gospel ministry or gospel activity, I would say, where you have the Father does Father things and the Son does Son things and the Spirit does Spirit things. And yet simultaneously, those three activities are pointing us, curving us towards redemption. Yeah. What's beautiful about that is when one person of the Trinity ministers the gospel to you, all three are ministering to you at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful thing. Uh, One of the other things that maybe I just would like to to mention, if it's okay, uh, we would say, okay, what's a verse that that depicts the gospel? And most people would say John 3.16. It's a great verse, and it is a beautiful verse, but the early church fathers would have used John chapter 1, verse 18. And it says this, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so if I may fill in the blanks with with the meaning of this text and how the early church fathers understood this text, they would say, no one has ever seen the triune God's eternal essence. God, Jesus, who is at the Father's side, he has made the triune God known. Mm -hmm. And if you think about Christ at his baptism, you know, in Matthew 3, uh, 16 there, all three persons of the Trinity were present with two Mm -hmm. human senses, Mm -hmm. you know, possibly for the first time in history. And and what Jesus came to reveal, as John is trying to flesh out here, as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, is the one God of Israel was just a little bit more complicated than they originally thought. You know, and Jesus came to reveal that. And God is complicated, and God is beyond our wildest imagination. But yet, we can know him. Mm-hmm. You know, and we think about, uh, I think a lot of people say, well, I can't really get to know the triune God. I can't really get to know uh, God in, in the fullness of who God is. And that's true. But if, we're, if we think about it, you know, I've been married for 25 years. And if I were to ask the question, do I know everything there is to know about my wife? And I'd have to say, absolutely not, because we can't be fully known. God fully knows us. But that doesn't mean I don't know her. That doesn't mean I doesn't I don't know her character and I don't know mm-hmm. who she is and, and what kind of person she is. And that's the reality of the mm-hmm. Trinity. Because God has chosen to reveal himself through his one and only son, through the the power and efficacy of his holy word, that is how God has made himself known through mm-hmm. the saving gospel of Christ, but also through the history of Israel. Mm-hmm. And when that breaks down uh, is where we see problems in the church, mm-hmm. all of those aspects, you know, uh, the, the Trinitarian heresies that we have currently going on uh, are, are generally one of two ways. The first heresy is the heresy of deism, where we only see God as the father, as, as some sort of cosmic 
controller. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get the God helps those who helps themselves, the most quoted (laughs) verse in the Bible. And, you know, running into the theology of the founding fathers of America with Mm -hmm. that, that's a Trinitarian heresy uh, because God as father in providing for us. And I honestly can't wait to get to first article Mm -hmm. of the creed because it's fantastic. One of the things we learn is that God uses his creation, his ability to create as evidence for us that he creates our faith out of nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's for us. The doctrine of Trinity is for us. On the other side of things, you've got the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness, mm-hmm. where it's the second person of the Trinity that breaks down. Yeah. Uh, and you lose comfort there as well. The Mormons don't believe Jesus Christ is God. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe Jesus Christ is God. And what you have is something disguised and packaged as Christianity, yep. but really it's imprisonment, it's bondage. And it's interesting because varying degrees of those two heresies, you know, where the Mormons they didn't believe that that Jesus was God eternally. They believe he became a God as God the Father adopted him. And there's adoptionism even within Christianity. It's funny. We had these WWJD bracelets walking around forever, right? And so what would Jesus do? It's really the wrong question because Jesus was the Messiah. Really the question is, is what would God have me do? What would Jesus have me do? Because that makes Jesus then the first Christian. Jesus couldn't be a Christian. He could never be a Christian because a Christian is saved by grace through faith alone. Jesus came to save us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't be saved. And so even elements of adoptionism actually exist within our, our own Christian faith, what we would call the norm of Christian faith. Yeah, right. You know, and then uh, the idea that, that Jesus isn't God, you know, that he was just a human teacher. Well, we see that in liberal theology all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so I'm telling you, varying degrees of both of those heresies have existed from the beginning of time. And that old saying that the devil doesn't really have any new tricks, he just slaps a new coat of paint on it and represents <laughs> it to another generation. Yeah. I don't think that's that's too far from the truth. Sure. Well, why do you guys think the trinity for the normal church-going person is, I think you said earlier, ignored or misunderstood? Why... Why do you think that is? We get, you mentioned a little bit, there's a lot of laziness in American Christianity where we just want to be spoon-fed moralism. We want to feel good about ourselves. Uh, we want life to be fluffy. It's the whole message, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll paint with a very, very broad brush here, but 90s contemporary Christian music is all about talking about how Christianity makes your life better, right? And so when something doesn't work out that way. We just ignore it. And so the Trinity is a part of that. And really, it's an intimidating doctrine. You you think, okay, well, we can handle the Apostles' Creed. You know, most every Christian in America has the Apostles' Creed either, you know, consciously or even subconsciously memorized. We can go through it. We can do the Nicene Creed, but only so often. That's a little bit more. The Athanasian Creed I mean, that's, uh, and when you tell someone, well, the Athanasian Creed is the most succinct description of the Trinity that we have available to us. <laughs> People, you know, their their jaw drops, a little drool comes out the side of their mouth, they glaze over, stuff like that. That That's, it's, it's an intimidating thing. And to think that uh, basically the Athanasian Creed says, if you don't believe this, you can't be saved. And that really ramps up the intensity mm-hmm. uh, for our faith. Yeah, because you know when you ask like which God, you know what God do you believe in? And I say, well, I do believe in God. Which one? Well, the Christian has to answer, well, the triune God of creation. 
mm-hmm. you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, that that is our answer, you know. But I think this is where I, I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox, and so please forgive me. <laughs> um, but I think it's true. I think with the inf- the slow infection of consumerism within the church, the Amer- especially the American evangelical yeah. church, I think the lethargy, the laziness of pastors to not understand this great God who called them into ministry and save them, you know, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet these three are one. The laziness of that, that passion and that lethargy, that lack of passion or that lethargy is then passed down to their congregation. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, unfortunately, in a negative way, infectious, mm-hmm. where people are like, oh, I don't really need to know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just silly, crazy doctrine and stuff. But what, again, you're saying is that I don't really love you enough to get to know you. I don't really care. Calling someone by the wrong name all the time, not really understanding who that person is. And and it's interesting that as God has saved us, we, we focus so much on the economy of God, which is important, but then sometimes we don't always think about the character, the holiness of God. So what's the first question that someone you don't know asks you? Oh, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the human tendency to identify ourselves in what we do or don't do. And I think that's why moralism has really taken such a hold in the American Christian mm-hmm. church. But when you get to know God and who he is, his character and his holiness— it becomes more than that. Mm-hmm. Then the bridegroom theology really begins to get flushed out as God is our husband, and he has pursued us <laughs> in, in an incredible way, and he has pursued us and, and given us an extravagant amount of grace and mercy in the midst of our sinfulness mm-hmm. and, and, our, and our depravity. And when you get to understand that, you really get to fall in love with this great God who saved you, mm-hmm. and then you want to get to know that God even more. And with the laziness of the pastors, uh, there's this addiction we have to relevance mm-hmm. is we want to take God's word and put it in the immediate context of each person, which it sounds noble uh, on the beginning until we realize how shallow and superficial the application is going to be, mm-hmm. where in reality, there is nothing more relevant than truth from God's word because God's truth is eternal it's absolute, it's objective. And, and so we would want to be applying that. And in fact, you take something like the Trinity, uh, each one of the persons of the Trinity, one God, three persons, is uh, immensely applicable and comforting to wherever a Christian is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have God the Father in the article of creation speaking to your material needs and concerns. You have God the Son, the article of redemption speaking to your salvation. You have God the Holy Spirit, the article of sanctification speaking to your life as a Christian back in the material world. How it all fleshes up. It's, it's, a, it's a holistic mm-hmm. picture mm-hmm. of your faith in the gospel and in the the key to understanding all of that and, and I use understanding very loosely there the, the the key to interacting with it or apprehending it like you said Brian mm-hmm. is the trinity the trinity preached the trinity applied uh the trinity studied mm-hmm. so uh, you know as lutheran pastors and as lutheran christians we want to lift high this teaching the doctrine of the trinity both to exhort people to not be lazy, to study, mm-hmm. to press into this God, and also to reveal God's character and God's goodness and, and grace towards us. And so maybe that's a good place to wrap up today. Brian, do you have any I do. verse or I like to... any closing thoughts too before we... God is good, and, and <laughs> he is amazing. Amen. And I think that um, hopefully 
the listener can hear a little bit of my passion for this yeah. because it really has changed the way that I look at theology in that it makes so much more sense when you get to understand the Trinity as much as possible, even though, again, it's a never-ending pursuit. And the thing that I revel in, quite frankly, is even in heaven, we will never know everything there is to know about God because to know everything to know there is to know about God is to be God. So we will have all eternity mm-hmm. to get to know this great God who has saved us through his mm-hmm. one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And that mm-hmm. excites me. Yeah. Uh, let's end with uh, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to look us up on iTunes. Next week, we begin a three-part series discussing what is the gospel. God bless you and have a great week.